Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and I'm the founder and CEO of Collab Talk. You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode was recorded in September 2019 and is a discussion with Ruben Goss, a director and workplace experience lead at US West for Avanade. Well, this is another Collab Talk podcast, and I'm here today with Reuven. Reuven, hello. Hello, Christian. It is, it's been a while since I've seen you. I'm trying to remember when the last time I saw you. I can't remember. It might have been like San Antonio or some, somewhere in Texas, uh, maybe, I think. Maybe. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself for the, uh, the world out there? Who are you? Where are you? Why are you? Why am I? <laughs> um, Reuven Gotts, I am the workplace experience lead for Avanade in the West. I'm based in Los Angeles. I've been at Avanade seven years now, started in Toronto, did three years in New York, and now the last year and a half I've been in LA. And how are you like in LA? You were talking about you know, be, being busy down there. It's because everybody that lives in LA is busy because half the time you're driving, you're commuting. That's true. Um, the traffic's pretty brutal. Although, you know, a lot of my work, because I cover the West, I'm like covering San Diego to Seattle. And I live literally, depending on the traffic, um, 10 minutes from the airport. I, I have left my apartment uh, 12 minutes before boarding time, breezed through clear and made it in, made it onto the gate before they even started boarding. So on the other hand, though, the other night we nearly missed a flight because it took us an hour and 10 minutes uh-huh. to get to the airport. LAX is like, yeah. LAX is the uh, 99th best um, large airport in the world um, out of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, it's the, it's, it's just the perpetual state of uh, construction there. As, as well, but uh, and it, yeah, and just bad design and growth and all that stuff. Well, I can't believe so seven years already with Avon. I mean, I remember when you moved over there, um, yeah. you took on that role. So, um, yeah, so d- describe your role. I mean, what, what is it that you do on a day to day basis? Um, my, my pat answer on that is nobody knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what, but I'm needed, I'm necessary. That's all management needs to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am sort of at, at the interface between sales and delivery. Uh, I talk to clients about how to take advantage of the great tools that Microsoft has been delivering over the last few years, especially. I've, I've been really excited by the changes of Microsoft and the advancement of the tools. But, you know, the, the company that I'm with, Avanade, is about 20 years old. In fact, is celebrating its 20th uh, birthday. And our DNA was very much around programming and systems set up and very, very technical. And we have evolved with the world and with our clients to not looking, not starting with the technical, but starting with what's the business problem that needs to be solved. Let's not talk about the features of teams. Let's talk about how your teams work and then map that onto most likely Microsoft, but not always, um, onto the tools. And Let's make that work for you and let's measure the results and let's, let's get value out of these tools. You know, that's interesting because, uh, you know, as I, so I started my career as a business analyst. That's always been, I mean, that just sounds like the, the, the appropriate response to a technical you know, issue. And as, as you know, and most people listening probably are aware of this as well, that most IT related technology consultants 
um, you know, very much start with uh, certain solutions in mind or your, your team, your organization, your, your management team may say, oh, we need to go, we need a CRM, go build us a CRM or go buy us a CRM. Right. They have a solution in mind and don't stop to ask that all important question of what are we really trying to accomplish? What is this, what does this look like? What do we envision the end state to be? How do we measure, how do we know what success is? What does that look like? How do we measure that? Uh, kind of all those questions before they start applying technology, start looking at the solution. It's, it's so important. And, you know, we as people who've sort of grown up in technology have to catch ourselves and make sure that we don't immediately jump into solutioning and talking about cool features. But it's also hard when we've trained ourselves to deal with that, to deal with clients. If we're dealing with the IT, IT area more than the business, IT themselves are pushing you to tell me the solution you know, tell me the tool, tell me how to implement, um, rather than uh, deal with the business and understand the need. You know, sometimes you're even blocked from talking to the business, although I'm finding that's changing quite a bit. And IT knows that they've been uh, failing at that, and they, they generally are learning pretty well that they, they need to involve the business, or sometimes we are speaking to the business directly and then have to speak to IT. Um, just because of who we meet and where we meet them. So uh, it definitely has changed over time. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right. I mean, people love lists. People want very prescriptive instructions of, of how to do something. And, and I know you, we both work in the Microsoft ecosystem um, and you, know, you hear from clients all the time. It's like, well, well tell me the right way to use or which are the best tools to use for this scenario. And Microsoft is even in their guidance and it's been frustrating for some customers to come back and said, look, th there, there isn't one way to do it. There's multiple ways to get there. What is the, what's the business need? What's the culture of your organization where um, like we get this all the time still. In fact, um, you get a lot of people that are not fans of Yammer and say, like, well, just I would never use Yammer. Yammer has some uh, amazing, very strong use cases. Um, absolutely. And, and, uh, and other times, it's absolutely the wrong tool to use in Teams or SharePoint or, uh, dare I say, send an email might be the, the best solution for that. But it, it, it goes back to... Um, trying to understand, okay, what, what are you trying to accomplish and uh, not just go out and use the latest, greatest technologies for, just for the sake of using the latest and greatest technology, but yeah. it's actually going to be best meet the needs of the organization. Yeah. People who gravitate towards technical professions love shiny new toys yep. and, uh, and the business is jaded by that. They want to understand why is this way better than what I have already? And well, you know, I always say this about the MVP community, and and so you were, you know, a Microsoft MVP for years, and so you're well aware of this too. But you you have a, a shift that happens over time. New technology comes out. MVPs chase after the new shiny thing. They want to. They're excited to talk about it. Be the first one out there to share. And this is what I learned. And it's important things. I'm not knocking that process, but what I found is that you had um, people that were new to SharePoint, for example that were not having their needs met of being new 
you know, and the, a lot of the MVP community, the speaker community had kind of moved on from the basic, the 101 topics. And so we had this underserved market. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what the job of being an MVP is, is to remain on the cutting edge, understand how the cutting edge tools impact their clients, um, how those tools integrate or don't with the legacy that comes before. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't fault them for that, but the reality, being an MVP is one job, being a consultant is an overlapping but different job and meeting the client where they are is an important part of that. Yeah. So what's, what does a typical engagement for you look like? So I, I'm involved from very early days, uh, either the first or close to the first meeting with our clients, um, building a relationship, understanding their needs, trying to expand the circle of people we talk to, to make sure that we're dealing with those things we've just talked about, understand the business needs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then working with our technologists uh, within the organization to uh, come up with some initial ideas or prepare a proposal or respond to an RFP uh, or work with our partners to come together with a holistic solution. So um, I am often the owner of the price, if you want to call it that. I'm the, I'm the owner of the estimate. I might be doing some of that estimating myself or I might have people uh, pulling that together, but I have a responsibility uh, ultimately for signing off on that estimate. So there's that side of it. And then the presentation of that Usually there's changes to scope and adjustments that need to happen based on the result of that. Um, I'm often partnering with leaders from across uh, North America and globally who bring very special uh, skills to bear. You know, we have a, a really strong organizational change management team. We have a really strong studio team. We have a really strong advisory team. And so pulling together the right resources from uh, across North America, across the West, and around the world, who can address the specific needs of that situation. So putting together that team, putting together that proposal, and then uh, once that's accepted and signed off, I retain a, a small but I hope significant role in the delivery. I, uh, the way I term it is I make the promise, and then I want to see that the promise gets met. Yeah. So I, I stay involved in the delivery to ensure that that the things that I heard are the things that we're doing. Yep. No, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, again, having, uh, as I, I do remember when the company was formed, so it was split out of, it came out of, uh, uh, what, Accenture? Accenture and, Microsoft, yeah, Accenture and Microsoft, yeah. Yeah. So, years ago. Yeah, I remember when all that was going on. I, and, uh, yeah, the, um, so I didn't realize, though, you know, I, I just thinking, besides knowing uh, a few folks that have worked for Accenture, I don't think I was ever at a company where we engaged with with your company. But um, as I said, I mean, my, my beginnings as a, uh, as a business analyst and taking that approach, I mean, I, I was surprised over my almost 30-year career now that, that, you know, how few of these consultants that come in take that approach. It, it, it is a little bit different. It's more commonplace now. It is. Um, I, I think people are, are realizing it. I, I think that we're seeing the Microsoft field um, realize it as well. They're trying to adjust their approach to be less feature driven 
and and more understanding the business. But I, you know, their DNA is around cool features, and uh, and and so it's a transition that they're trying to make as well. But uh, more and more people are realizing that needs to be done, and it takes a while to change your approach and change your thinking, but it's happening slowly. Well, I think what, and a huge part of that too, if you understand any large organization like that, and if you've worked with Microsoft and Microsoft sales is that, look, if, if they're being measured on licensing, if they're on the sale of that cool technology, of course, that's what they're going to focus on. That's how they're going to make their salaries. That's how they're going to be stay employed by hitting those numbers. And when the metrics by which they're measured change to more adoption, engagement, and things where it's not just about, hey, you've purchased the licensing, but you're actually using the te technology and it's meeting your needs. And there's that, you know, customer satisfaction is a you know, part of that, uh, that, that measurement as well. It changes then the nature of that conversation between that salesperson and, uh, and the, the customer. It totally does. The, the world of subscription services, as opposed to license sales, has really changed that because it's very difficult to make a case three years after you've made a tremendous sale um, if the client's using you know, 5 or 15% of what they purchased three years ago. Right. So you want to see that adoption happen. You want to see that consumption happen. Uh, something that's, to get that renewal. But there's something that's always also different about this. I actually just had this conversation this morning that what's happened is that with software as a service in place, what's, what's created out where, where IT was largely around keeping the servers running, keeping the lights on. Uh, and when remember asking questions like, what's, what is the purpose? Why, why are you deploying SharePoint? Or what's, what's your job? What's your goal with SharePoint? It's like, oh, to make sure that everything is running smoothly. It's like, really, just the servers are working. That's your measurement of success. Like, no, it, it, you know, the, my point with all this is that by being able to go and, and consume these technology products as a service, the baseline has been raised so that we, we know we all have a working platform. The, the servers are running, the lights stay on, and now the focus can be more about now what are we actually doing for the business to get to actually utilize that technology. And That's I started the, to see that. I, I've seen some large IT departments that their KPIs are adoption, right? They're measured on usage of the of the systems they implement. Right, and then of course, then they ask the questions like, what's the right way to measure adoptions? Like, well, look, there's nuances to that. Certainly you can measure activities. It's kind of like when I talk to about marketing strategy with my clients and talk about, you know, that, that uh, you know, an MQL, so the, uh, the, the marketing qualified lead. Well, what is the definition of MQL? It's like, well, it's what we define it to be, it, you know, and so it's, it's kind of the same thing with adoption and engagement. Well, some organizations early on were saying, well, they've logged in in a 30-day period into the platform. Is that really showing yeah. that they've adopted? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No. Uh, and, and so it's a, it's a combination of, of that, those, the, the, the activity metrics, it, that they're logging in on a regular basis. And it may be that they're logging into the system at least three times a week, that the amount of time that they're spending in something, that the number of, of workflows that they've accessed or, you know, Microsoft flows that they've initiated or, you know, kind of, it's a combination of kind of all of those things. Not yep. that there's a right or wrong number. There's going to be some weeks where it's, hey, I was only in the system twice and only did a, you know, a couple things because I was in other meetings or on the road or whatever those things are. 
but you can as an organization come up with uh, a, a baseline to inform you of, hey, the system is, is generally in use and the vast majority of our users are actively participating within. Yeah, and, and you know, I, we're seeing that, you know, uh, one of our parents is Accenture, which is starting to close in on 500,000 employees. Wow. And when we look at, um, when we look at adoption, we talk about how many millions of minutes of Teams calls happen monthly. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and those are graphs that, that, that we look at. Those are crazy numbers, Ruben. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're up to, um, 35,000 plus at Avanade and, uh, like I said, oh, our parent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's just crazy though. Well, so I know you've got to go here in a minute. I, I know that, um, you know, as, as far as, uh, so you kind of walk through like your, your role and the engagement as, as you're talking with clients. I mean, what, what would you say that you, uh, um, you know, some of the patterns that you see of, of behavior, we've talked about some of the changing where people are starting to recognize that we, we need to kind of have an idea of what we're trying to accomplish before we set out to accomplish it. Um, any other patterns that are, that you're, you're kind of seeing with um, clients? That, that's a really good question. Um, you know, what I see among some of um, the largest clients uh, are, is a very much a focus on uh, cost reduction, on ROI, um, and th they're not interested in the story of how, uh, how cool this is. They, they want to understand the business case. I just worked on a very large um, proof of concept uh, uh, several months ago, and the part of the delivery that I did was building the business case. And that was a, a six week engagement in parallel with the building of the technical proof of concept that was meeting with leaders from across the organization. They want to really know that there is a business case. They want um, to develop what matters, um, how they're gonna measure it, and what the ROI of those things are gonna be. So uh, um, there's definite, N nothing's done because it's cool anymore. Things are done because you can make a case for the value. And, uh, and that's where I spend a lot of my time. Well, you know, and I would argue that, um, yes, you need to have both sides of that. You need to have the qualitative as well as the quantitative measurements for that and the story behind yep. you need to be able to, uh, to, to get the, at the ground level, you need to get end users on board, employees on board and using that and adopting and that's where the coolness factor, like it does play in the storytelling around. It sure does, right? right. Of course, it, it's but it has element that drives it. But, right. but what you're, you know, you talk about improving engagement and reducing turnover, but turnover is something you can measure and there's a cost, yep. right? I yep. think there was a recent study that showed it's on average, I think it's $17,000 to onboard a new employee across the board. I think it was the number, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, you know, you can tie it back to the business case. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, Ruben, what's the best way people want to find out more about you, what you do? What, how can people uh, get in touch with you? Um, find out more about, well, you can always reach, reach me on Twitter or on uh, Instagram. Uh, photography is my new hobby passion. So I'm all over the place on both of those. On both of them, I'm at Ruben G. R-U-V like Victor, E-N-G. Um, yeah, easy to find me there.
and grooving with Reuven is forever immortalized <laughs> on the share quilt it is. I'm so glad on the wall that. and building 34 as part of the Microsoft uh, art installation. I'm a part of history. That's right. You're there. You did sign it, didn't you? I did. Okay. Well, good to, good to do. Well, hey, it was great catching up with you. I knew, know you need to run, but uh, let's talk soon. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Christian. Always talk great to, to talk to you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.